1: The high fashion hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy. Yep, right now get up to fifty percent off jeans from fifteen bucks for adults, ten bucks for kids at Old Navy and Old Up to fifty percent off jeans for the family—that's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pickup in store when I buy online. Old Navy, here we come. High fashion, Old Navy. Valid seven twenty to seven twenty nine. Select styles only.
0: What's been- better than this, guys being dudes.
2: What's better than another Friday episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast, where we are just a couple of guys being dudes. Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting and NDT Scouting, NFL and NFL Draft Analyst for Fan Rag Sports, and I am joined, as always, by my fellow dude, Mr. Joe Marino, uh, my Assistant Director at NDT Scouting, fellow FanRagSports.com analyst of all things pigskin, and Joe, I... I simply – I was going to have some cute lead in here, but, but football is back. I don't know if you oh. noticed yesterday, but but football is officially back with the Hall of Fame game now in the books.
3: Yeah, it feels good, man. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, I like the Twitter world right now in football is just crazy. Like people are living and dying with reporters' tweets of – how a player did on a particular rep, or if a, uh, uh, you know, if uh, you know this guy's getting third team reps one day, and now they got looks with the first team. What does it say about this player, man? It is, it is. People just have a fever right now, and I hate it, and I love it all at the same time. Well, I, I do not love it because I was on the edge
2: of my seat all day yesterday, and I'm still kind of on the edge of the. I'm like teetering on the cliff, but I think I'm coming back. With this Ryan Tannehill knee issue, um, first it was he blew out his knee again, and then we didn't hear anything for five hours, and then somebody records him on a cell phone walking back into the facility, and then the MRI reveals, no structural damage at all. But then all of a sudden, they're not out of the woods yet, and maybe Jay Cutler's coming out of retirement to play for Adam Gase, or maybe they're going to sign Colin Kaepernick, or had somebody say trade a second-round pick for Brett Hundley. Um no, it was just vast, <laughs> wild amounts of speculation. And um, I just want the game. I don't I don't want to worry about, you know, where he's at. So I was glad to have the game yesterday. Something to entertain myself with that's fresh with the game of football.
3: And the injuries have just been so sucky oh, so man. far. Yeah. Mike Williams and Forrest Lamp and uh, Car- Corey Davis is hobbled. I mean, it's... It it's just every 10 minutes. It feels like someone else is down and, Ev- and it seems like it's the young guys, man. Like what is up with that? Yeah. I mean, every Baltimore Ravens skill player oh. on the
2: roster, Oh, it's, it's just there. I feel so bad for that, that collection of guys because you no, know, you go down the list, Dennis Pitta, uh, Crockett Gilmore, Kenneth Dixon, Brashad Perriman's hampered again. Uh
3: Tavon Young Johnson retires. Yep. Uh, Urshel Joe? retires
2: with like 3 years of experience in the league. Was a starting lineman. Um Flacco's got an injury,
3: doesn't he? Yeah, a back injury. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, I mean, it no, would no, probably... Kyle,
3: You're ahead. a uh, you're a, you know, you're next little bit of an expert in the field here with your uh your degree from the, uh, the great Penn state university and whatever it is, kinesiology or there you go. Yeah. Is, what did I get it right? that time? you did. Yeah. Uh, so what's up with this? Is it, is there something, is, is there something to this? Is there a trend? Is there something these teams are doing right or wrong? Is it something about the, the players and how they uh, have set themselves up for camp? Are, are these injuries preventable or is, or is this just it's football and this is what happens? I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think to some
2: degree, playing a sport like football, which requires so much, uh, for some players, constant repetitions, like a quarterback uh, with a neck or a shoulder or a back. So many reps throwing the ball. That can wear on guys. Um, and you look at some of the skilled players, uh, defensive backs and wide receivers especially, hamstrings. Hamstrings. Super easy, just naturally, based on the force that's required uh, to plant and cut and explode and drive. Um, The force your body outputs uh, makes it very easy for you to come up lame on a hamstring, especially when you're deconditioned, entering training camp like some of these guys are. Um, And then obviously, you know, ACLs and, and knees, uh it's just a hard sport in that regard cuz you're running full speed, you're exploding off of cuts and uh well i just think some of it is you know it's it's the nature of the beast and these guys uh as much as we'd like to think they're all jj J. watt and they're living in like cabins in the middle of the woods and <laughs> flipping tires and swinging sledgehammers uh doesn't work like that right so you know these guys are the training camp part of it is getting back in shape if you come into training camp out of shape and you, you try to jump right back in and do some of the things that, that you're required to do without tempering that pace, I think that's why you see uh, some of the injury lists that that we have over the course of the past couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, you know, it's you look at guys like Nico Saragusa and, and Forrest Lamp. Those guys started like 50 games in a row each in yeah. college. That, you know, they're out for the year. And then you have a guy like Dom Easley who's, you know, on his third AC pair in the last 4 years. I mean, that's what it's confusing to me. And then you got a guy like Prashad Paraman who can't get out of his car without uh, an injury. You know, so what <laughs> it's it's the it's it's maddening that there's 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 no way to, you know, to, to sit here and say for sure. I mean, you take a guy like Nico Saragus and, and and you praise him for durability, right? Scouting report. This guy is proven to be reliable. Well, he can't get through a training camp without being out for the year. His first season in the NFL, you know, it's just it's frustrating. And and as guys like us who who try to take all the pieces of the pie and put it together and and evaluate these players and try to say, oh, this guy's durable. You know, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you know, it's it's these things happen, and football's a it's it's part of the deal. And uh, you know that's why it's so important to have depth. And um, you know, it's uh It's frustrating, man. I hate to see it for these young guys. Yeah, especially the rookies. I think there might be something
2: else here that we can look into uh, as an industry in general, looking at the draft process and and players get done their seasons and they immediately segue into training for the combine and then they train for their pro day and then they draft and then they have rookie OTAs and then they have team OTAs and then they're right back into training camp. And what's the longest span of time that rookies have to, to take off of football activities. It's really that, that transition and segue is just a brutal gauntlet of physical demands. And uh, especially for the combine training specifically is they get so far away from training for football skills. They're Mm -hmm. just training for track and field and strength and conditioning and Uh, And then they they flip the switch and they come back in and, and those cycles and demands can take a toll. And um, that's something I would certainly be interested in yeah. uh, looking deeper into as time allows and, and seeing if there's not some, some credence there too. Uh, the draft process really breaks some of these guys down, guys like Forrest Lamp and Nico Saragusa, who have been known for forever of being, you know, just consistent stalwarts and presences on their offensive lines.
3: You know I think there is something to that that'd be a really good case study and and I I can't remember which prospect or prospects we spoke to uh this this uh draft season on on the podcast and a lot of them said I'm just looking forward to training for football again. Yeah. You know, as yeah. opposed to a 40 yard dash and jumping high. So speaking of football, we are going to get into some film study here. It's Film Friday on the Draft Dude's podcast. We've got a handful of guys that we've evaluated here recently that we want to introduce you to and, and, and do our uh, our Friday dump of uh, of scouting takes on some of the players we've watched this week. Kyle, do you want to take honors here? Yeah, let's, uh, let's grind some tape, right? Yeah, man. Uh, one guy that I want to talk about
2: today is somebody who caught my eye throughout the course of last year. Um, Joe, this is a player that had over 2,000 all-purpose large last year. Uh, He had 10 total touchdowns, was a consensus All-American. He averaged over 10 yards per rush. And for perspective, uh, he had over 60 rushes last year. And averaged over 10 yards per rush. Averaged over 30 yards per kick return and over 15.5 yards per punt return. I am talking, of course, about junior wide receiver Quadri Henderson from Pitt. Uh, Not a name that you're probably especially familiar with listening to this podcast. Uh, as a junior and a guy with a, a diminutive stature, he's he's listed at 5'8", five, 5'9", five, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, but he's 190 and change. Uh, so he, it's not as though he's like Jalen Saunders from Oklahoma, like rail thin. Uh, He's got a pretty nice build to him. He just doesn't have a lot of length. This is the guy that Pitt and offensive coordinator Matt Canada, uh, who moved on to LSU, uh, got really creative crafting ways to get him the football. Ran a lot of jet motions and touch passes and screen passes and bubbles. And uh, he was consistently flashing. I watched a lot of Pitt last year. They had Dorian Johnson, Nate Peterman, James Conner. Henderson was the most entertaining player on that offensive unit last year, and I had the chance to see them play against Miami live last year, and he stood out live just as much as he did on tape, which is always something that I find to be an interesting dynamic of watching a player in person. Like, for example, Joey Bosa back in 2015, I had a chance to see Bosa and was actually on the field at Rutgers to watch that game. And... Now, Bosa stands out for a lot of different reasons on film. You know, A lot of it is technically oriented. But getting down on the field and watching him play with the raw power in his hands and just overwhelming guys, and then turning around and countering those heavy punches with really precise hand counters and finesse uh, was a really eye-opening experience for me as an analyst watching this player play. And Henderson, you know he's fast. When you watch him on film but I got a chance to see him on wet grass just flying around people he moves at a different pace than everybody else he's super fun and because he's so low he actually has a really low center of gravity he can make some really nice explosive cuts I don't necessarily know if this is somebody uh who unless he gets a bigger role in the offense this year um which they do have Max Brown, a graduate transfer from USC, at quarterback now this year, which should help kind of ease that transition away from Nate Peterman. Um, if he gets a bigger role in the offense, you know, who knows? This might be somebody that declares, but it's worth noting that he's draft eligible. He's super explosive. He's very creative with the ball in his hands, and he has just super dynamic production. Uh, eye-opening across the board, kick return, punt return, rushing yards. Uh, he actually averaged more yards per rush on 60-plus rushes than he did yards per catch last year.
0: Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today
3: unlimited data on their network video streams at 480p small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds if you cancel balances to well-qualified customers full price 720 plus tax finance agreements required netflix for two screens terms apply Well, damn. Yeah, only, only Kyle Krabs could find a way to connect the dots between a wide receiver, Kadri Henderson, kick returner, jack of all trades, and Joey Bosa, defensive end for Ohio State. I do what so, I can. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I want to get into my first guy here. It's Lowell Lotuloy, Lowell out of Utah, the brother of Carolina Panthers' defensive tackle, Star Latulale. Uh, 6'1", 320, 30-game starter here out of Utah. And uh, he is one of those guys that I think is a really nice fit as a as a plug in a 4-3. I'm talking about the guy who plays over center in that shade type one technique role uh, in, in an even front, I think is his best fit. He is a strong dude, man. Uh, he's the guy that uh, he, he can squat in there, hold his ground, And he's not going to be moved. He's a fire hydrant against the run and uh, his ability to get off the ball and and shoot his hands with physical violent hands to reset that line of scrimmage and, and really kind of, you know, maintain those run fits and, and play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. I mean, that is his bread and butter. And, um, if football truly still is about running the ball and stopping the run, you know I think he gives you that in a big way uh, as a one tech and a four three. Um, it, it, I love the violence, man, with his hands. You know he will he he comes at you and and uh, he doesn't have a lot of length, so he has to right. He needs to win these reps these reps early and uh, he does what he can to do that. Um, as far as pass rushing goes, you know, I don't think you're going to get a lot here. He's a guy who can, can push the pocket here and he can, you know, he can shed a block real quick and, and try to close down that distance. But you know, I don't think he's going to make his hay as a pass rusher. Uh, he's, you know, he's a bit stiff and tight in the lower half. And um, uh, you know, he's a, he's a power player. He's a power player that um, lacks the length and flexibility to really be a, a guy that you think is a, is a top of the draft type player. But if you're looking for a reliable, you know, one tech in, in an even front, a guy that's going to keep your linebackers clean, that's going to make some plays behind the line of scrimmage uh, against a run, you know, Lotulule is, is that guy. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I don't think he's going to test well. And – um and Those types of things, but you know, I can see him going maybe as high as the is the later part of the second round, but kind of that second to fourth round kind of seems like his sweet spot right now. Good football player, kind of a niche guy, but I think he offers a little bit more than some of the other niche guys that we talk about from the defensive line. Yeah, I think
2: uh, I really like Lowell. I, I watched him; uh, it was beginning of July, I think, and you know, he's somebody I could see uh, sneaking up into. Th- 30 to 50 range is like a ceiling for me personally. So we're pretty close on him. I'm probably a little higher on him than you are. Uh, he's no star though, right?
3: No, like, he's not. Yeah. It's um. if you, know, if, he could show more movement skills this year and that would go a long way, but you know, I, I need to see it, you know? Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing I'm looking for. If he could be a little quicker, more explosive, more flexible and uh, yeah, yeah, that would make him more, Appealing, yeah, for sure. Speaking of need to see it,
2: uh, this is a great segue from our Monday show in which we looked at the ACC, Joe. We previewed uh, every school and their prospects in the ACC, and uh, one of the names that we talked about, and both of us kind of came clean. We're like, yeah, you know what, never never really got around to him." Uh, Jair Alexander, cornerback from Louisville. So we got done that podcast, and I'm, I'm putting together uh, prospect primers for every Power 5 team in college football over at ndtscouting.com. We got a huge database. It's a library it list. Every team, uh, you click on the team, it brings up a primer with you know, each of the players and then links for all the players, the notes that we have done to date on those players. So it's a really cool tool for you to navigate and go through, pick any Power 5 team, uh, find the players' names. If we've done notes on the players, those links will be there to help you. Uh, kind of whittle your way down through some of the contents. We are uh, plastering up a bunch of it right now because it's it's getting ready to be the start of football season. And uh, I, I did Louisville's the day after. I wanted to watch some Alexander so I could have an educated, you no know, impression and opinion. And uh, he he really impresses with his quickness. He's five eleven, one ninety-two, listed as a junior. Uh, a ball magnet. He's a pretty successful punt returner. Uh he had a really nice punt return um last year for a touchdown. He had another one against Florida State that I believe was called back for um a, a penalty and had two more I think that um actually was close to breaking and either the last guy got him or he got forced out of bounds. Um Alexander in coverage, he's pretty sticky. He's got five interceptions and nine passes broken up last year. Uh, really good aggressive address of the football and, and the way he attacks the ball. Um, and he does well to get as much of himself in a position to challenge by driving across the face of receivers, uh, to to try to capitalize and finish a play instead of just batting down a pass, um, I think he he's. Plays bigger than his weight class, too, which is something that's important for me, especially if you're talking about a guy that's not the quote-unquote long corner that so many people want right now. People want six, one plus corners, 200 plus pounds, guys that can step up and collapse wide receivers in the D-gap and oh, beat and collapse wide receivers into the backfield and, and force runs into the boundary. Um, Alexander doesn't have that kind of frame, but he has that kind of mentality and the quickness and twitch that he has to stick his foot in the ground and drive and attack. Uh, it's present both against the pass in off coverage and in the running game, which I think is really important because he can attack and, and slip past those potential uh, pick plays by wide receivers or, or set up stalk blocks if he's playing off coverage and get head up with running back. So he shows a good amount of versatility. He's super quick. Uh, He's got a nose for the football, and he's creative with the ball in his hands. So Alexander is a guy, uh, all this hype that you've been hearing all summer about him, at this point I think pretty legit.
3: There you go. Well, let me talk about a cornerback uh, as well, one that um, I think is – I've seen varying opinions on him, and I'm talking about Alabama cornerback Anthony Averett. And uh, one of the things that I said in my summary for the report that I put on uh, NDTScouting.com for our premium subscribers is that as much as any player that I've looked at this summer, he really kind of toes that line between a guy that you look at his traits and say, this is, you know, this is a guy with starter traits in the NFL and then somebody that you think is more of a developmental type prospect kind of getting into him and what he, what traits he offers on tape. you, You know, I love the way he competes. I mean, this guy, This guy, uh, he will mix it up with anybody. He will, um, you know, in terms of look at the game against Mike Williams, uh, in the, in the national championship, he got abused by, by Mike Williams over and over again in that game, but it didn't stop him. He, he was competitive. He, he worked his ass off every single rep to try to get in position to play the football and try to make plays. He just, he just kept getting beat. And so it's easy to like love that feisty competitive demeanor, but you, you also can't overlook that he's, he's not winning with consistency. Um, he's a guy that uh, he, his best work is playing forward uh, when he gets to drive off his back foot and close on the football, or when he can attack in the, in the boundary and and make a tackle against the runner on a screen play where he doesn't have to play through contact. You know, those are his best situations, but he makes a lot of concessions and, and, to be aggressive, especially when he's playing in press, you know, he's a guy that will really try to crowd those routes early, but um, he doesn't know how to get off of it and flip and he gets his feet misaligned and he's giving up too much cushion and too much leverage. He's not leveraging any routes. Um, So, you know, when you watch this guy on tape, you're going to see a guy that works his ass off every single snap, but he needs to win more. And uh, I think part of that comes from being a little bit more polished in coverage. Uh, You know, he's, he was kind of behind, uh, good players throughout his career, and he's not played in a, in a ton of games in terms of being a starter. He's you know switched around inside and outside quite a bit. So hopefully as a senior, he'll get a chance to really define a role as an outside cornerback and get that natural feel for playing in coverage. Um, and, and I think everything else will come where he's able to uh, be more natural with his backpedal and turning and running and understanding how to get his head around and find the football and play the football and, and compete and not get pushed out of get pushed off the, off the mark when he's competing at the catch point. So I think from a raw tools perspective, he has a lot to offer. He's just got to win more. And I think, you know, he's got all the physical ability to do it, but he needs to prove that this year. So uh, he's a guy to watch. And uh, you know, I'm sure everyone's going to watch a lot of Alabama football this year. And uh, Anthony Averitt's a guy to see, you know, how he gradually gets better throughout the season. He's got a tough, tough assignment week one against Auden Tate. But uh, we'll see how he grows and progresses. And, um, you know, going against Mike Williams in the national championship into Auden Tate in week one of the next season is uh, no small order.
2: Yeah, I certainly don't envy that one-two punch. That's, uh, uh, you know, but the the cream will rise to the top, Joe. And and I'm trying to think, can you think of off the top of your head? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but I've been listening to you talk about Averitt and, I'm trying to think if there's like a similar trajectory for a prospect at the corner position that we've seen over the past couple of years. Somebody kinda... that that uh assuming he takes that next step, he he's a guy that's combative combative but kinda hit or miss, and then if he really puts it all together performs well. And any names come to mind for you? Uh maybe Trey Waynes. Waynes is a good one. Uh, I know the size profile is a little different, but Corn Elder, too. Uh, yeah. Because Corn was, you know, he, he's a pure slot slash cover two flats kind of defender, but um, he has uh, flashes in and out. And I really thought from the end of September through December for him was where he really solidified his status as a legitimate draft prospect, period uh because teams don't necessarily like and and covet a small corner like that so he had his own fair set of questions and then it was his play his senior year down the stretch that I think really solidified his standing as far as a trajectory that maybe Averett can can follow in terms of his own issues
3: I think Jordan Thomas, a player right now who are, is yeah. very similar, yeah. you know, in, in the way that I think about those. And then, uh, you know, the the story needs to still be written. But Xavier Howard, you know, Baylor, I mean, a guy that has a lot of tools and traits, but got beat a ton in college. And he's had his moments right with Miami. And, you know, they're kind of asking him to to step up this year. And, you know, if he's I don't think, you know, I'm not sure if he'll get drafted the same range as is Howard. But, you know, in terms of a guy that Xavier Howard got beat a lot. And uh, I think Miami bought into the tools and, you know, maybe that'll happen with Averett similar type thing.
2: Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that because I remember Howard's, um, his assessment for me was a ton of boomer bust. Yeah. And uh, those types of corners, a lot of times they scare guys. I think Howard was blessed to be six 200 mm. and uh, mm-hmm. really helped them forgive a lot of warts on his film and so we could take his tools and traits and we feel comfortable with him being a, a starter and Miami plays a ton of cover three now. And they got Byron Maxwell on the other side there, who is a NFL example of boomer bus when he was with Philadelphia. <laughs> sure. Um, so, so yeah, a lot, a lot still to be written there. Uh, but Averett's certainly going to have the platform. You know, mm-hmm. Lord knows uh, we did, we did Alabama. Roger Dixon did, um, the Alabama profile for uh, the the prospect primers, their list came back had like 13 guys on it. It's like, dude, didn't you just graduate like
3: 15 guys to the NFL?
2: <laughs> Factory man, reload. It's crazy.
3: Yes. Make sure that you guys are getting over to NDT com and checking out the power five encyclopedia where Kyle and uh, Roger Dixon, Jonah tools are, are working hard to give you a preview of every single team in the Power Five and the prospects you need to be watching this college football season, they're going to have that done for you before the season. So it's going to be a great tool to check in uh, all all season long before you're watching a football game. If you're going to watch you know Maryland and Rutgers on a a Thursday night, go over to ndtscouting.com. You can look that up and and see the players you need to be watching. We've also got our college football rankings up on the site. So our preseason edition, make sure you check out uh, how we are stacking up the uh, top 15 in college football as a staff right now. Uh, That is going to do it for us today on the show. Happy Friday to you. I hope a great weekend is ahead of you. Uh, Not Too much longer, we'll have regular season uh, college football on us and and plenty of preseason NFL football happening right now. It's always fun to watch the rookies and the young guys really get a chance to play in game situations. So preseason is a ton of fun. I I know I enjoy it. Um, We'll be back again for you on Monday. We're going to preview another Power 5 conference for you. Not sure which one it is. I'll tell you it won't be the ACC or the Big Ten because we've already done them. But uh, we'll we'll start getting into, uh, you know, maybe the SEC or Big 12. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll have one of them for you on Monday. And uh, until then, signing off for Kyle Krabs, I'm Joe Marino, and thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast.